Are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Can't wait! This, this, this is Mocking on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down! How you doing, everybody, and welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, courtesy of the A1 Sports Network. I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the people's producer, the head honcho, the founder of the A1 Sports Radio Network. I am talking about the one and only Chris Clem. What's up, Craig? Clem, how was your weekend, man? I had a good weekend. Uh, kind of, you know, long, long weekend, I felt like, but, you know, very tiring, and I'm very happy to be doing the show man i'm very happy to be you know every time we do the show i'm always just you know i'm just ready to go with it and you know especially now with you know big news dropping yesterday about cam newton i'm sure we'll, we'll get into that later but in a minute. but I, I guess the key to getting a response from manish Mehta is you got to call him a clown oh yeah man. To elaborate on he answered that. back i was so i was so i saw my phone blowing up yesterday i was like what the hell's going on I didn't. I don't expect. I never expect anyone I message to answer me back. But like the fact that he did, and he was just like, "I don't condone." He was just like, "How about you have a try a mature conversation?" I was like, "I'd love to," you know, with someone who's credible and smart and knows what they're doing at their job, not you. But well, so I funny. think personally, he's lost a lot of credibility with the Jet fans. Oh, he absolutely did. And the funny thing was, I I texted this to you last night after I saw it because you didn't tell me about it. I just happened to go on Twitter and some guy yeah. responded to you and Meta about name calling. And I'm like, oh, what did Chris do now? <laughs> and then I get on Twitter and I'm reading your comment. I'm like, he's not wrong. And like one person, I think, like, I think maybe like, I'll say like 20 to 30 people maybe like liked and like responded also to that tweet saying like, oh yeah, he's right. Or you're a joke, Meta. One person was just like, Oh, if he's so bland, why do you follow him? I'm like, I don't, I don't. I mean, I was just like, I follow him because I need a good laugh every now and again. That's why. I, I just... well, well, like we said, I mean, made us a pot star. That's what yeah. he is. I mean, that's what. That's how he's going to make his his bones, and that's how he's going to get his clicks on Twitter and whatever else it is. Mm-hmm. He's a pot star. He has no backup for anything. He always claims he has these sources and you know from higher ups in the organization, but I don't think the higher ups in the organization talk to him. I bet they don't. I mean, maybe it was under maybe under McCagnan they did, but not under him, not under Gase. But it was a funny thing. So, you know, Thursday was when Greg Williams came out and, like, did an interview basically supporting Jamal Adams and Brant Boyer kind of talked about the kicking team. So Friday was Gase's press conference for the first time since the comments. Yeah. And I had forgotten it took place, so I really didn't kind of catch it to the end of the day. But I noticed that a couple of people were really taking some shots, but they weren't naming a person. Mm-hmm. Basically, the point of their tweets was, if you're going to come out and you know accuse somebody, then you need to be prepared for the comeback. You should, you know, you should be man enough to. If you're going to dish it out, then you should be man enough to take it. Was basically what the prevailing sentiment was, and that was under Connor Rogers with the Athletic. Um, I don't know if Brian Costello said anything, but a few others had made some comments. Um, I can't remember the other guy who did it. And most of the responses that they got were about Manish. 
So a lot of people thought that it was Manish they were talking about. So basically, in a nutshell, Manish didn't show up for the Gase press conference. Good. Because he didn't want to be put, probably didn't want to be like, I don't think Gase would have put him in his place or anything like that. I don't think it would have been that extreme. But, you know, Gase came out, he publicly supported Jamal Adams. He basically said that he loves the guy and he wants to be, he wants him to be on the Jets this year. And, you know, but he also, you know, he also mentioned, which Gase is not wrong here in saying that contracts are a very tough part of the business that, Unfortunately, there's nothing you could do about it. It's just if he doesn't feel happy, he's not happy. I mean, yeah. there's nothing Gase can say. There's nothing Douglas can say right now because he's in one of his, you know, in one of his tantrums. And so this morning, I responded to Maida's article about – or Maida's tweet about whether Flacco or Cam, if the Jets made the right decision. And I just basically wrote that, who cares? I'm like, it doesn't matter what the decision is. I said, but I basically just kind of said it not too much. I was like, but you will need a new paragraph eventually for your monthly I Hate Adam Gase newsletter. <laughs> right? And, of course, I get no response from Manish. Yeah, he never I, responds to any of my tweets. Exactly. I mean, you got to call him a clown. That's the secret. I won't do that. I'll, I'll keep it. I'll let you do it because you're younger and you're a little bit more immature. <laughs> Look, no, so. no, no public, no, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Touche. <laughs> you gave one sports network to uh, to make a run. You got to call Daily News reporters a clown. So, well played, sir. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we got a lot to do. Obviously, the weekend we're getting into the Cam Newton stuff in a minute. We're going to get into um, you know breaking kind of breaking news over the past hour or so, and that's multiple players are starting to step out back out of the 2020 season for baseball for fear of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'll get into that. And then we'll get into uh, an interesting thing with the Mets and how they're shaping their roster moving forward with the 60-man. As of right now, they only have 50 names on their roster. They're still waiting out the last 10. But uh, they've made some interesting moves today. I mean, I don't know if there are any significance. It could be little to no significance whatsoever. But it's just pretty interesting, their strategy going into – season which training you know spring training begins this week and then the season's supposed to end in july uh just to let our viewers listeners know tomorrow we are pretty psyched to have the creator pro champion bsk joining us for an interview i am definitely curious about the life of an indie wrestler i i just oh yeah they're just things i want to know and like you know just like with regards to how they book themselves and they i'm really psyched to have him on the show so he's going to join us tomorrow and hopefully, maybe he'll have some good news about a future Creative Pro event. Yeah, hopefully. Lindbrook is definitely missing Creative Pro. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so VSK will be on our show tomorrow to talk some wrestling with us and um, talk about the state of the WWE, maybe, and just, you know, the life of an indie wrestler. Obviously, the big news yesterday, and it kind of broke late in the day because, you know, the Patriots are an interesting team because they seem to time their positive stories to offset the negative story, okay? So what I mean by that is a few hours before the Cam story broke, the NFL had levied their punishment against the Patriots for some, almost like a Spygate 2 thing with the Bengals. And basically they lost a draft pick. I think they lost over a million dollars. They got fined over a million dollars for it Mm. or whatever. That's fine. I think the pick was a third rounder anyway and, you know, whatever. Not a, I mean, not a huge loss for the Patriots, but it's still a loss. So you take it with that. You just take it with that. But then 
couple of hours later, Patriots break the news that they've agreed to terms with Cam Newton on a one-year contract. It's mostly an incentive-laden deal from what I'm reading, but Cam could make as much as $7.5 million for this season. And look, my initial reaction to that deal was, okay, like I'm not blown away by it. I am not going to sit here and proclaim the Patriots the winners of the AFC East. I am not going to sit here and be this whiny Jet fan that was all over Twitter when this news broke because they're complaining that they don't get a break. That will not be my, my way of going about this. Here's the way I look at it. First of all, memo to Jet fans, have some confidence in your quarterback. You have Sam Darnold a Sam Darnold that finished pretty strong in the second half of the year under Adam Gase. 13 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns with two rushing, four picks, 95Q quarterback rating. Pretty solid in my book. And you can go on and on about who he played. I don't really give a rat's ass about that. I really don't. I don't care. The schedule is the schedule. So if it was Jimmy Garoppolo, everybody would be naming him an MVP. So there's that. But have some faith in your quarterback going into a new year under the same offense with some of the weapons returning for a second seed. Let's not do the woe is me as a Jet fan because the Patriots made themselves a little bit better. See, the fact is we don't know what Cam Newton is going to be. I don't know what Cam Newton's going to be. He didn't play all of 2018. He missed – I think he only played two games last year. And he had a shoulder injury that – kind of bled into 2020 and you weren't even sure how hundred percent he was going to be right to the point where the Panthers decided not to bring him back and the Redskins who I thought maybe would have made sense for Ron Rivera decided not to bring him back. Mm-hmm. So the thing is we don't know what Cam Newton is. Yeah, we don't. And most sports writers right now are going crazy. Oh, Cam Newton is amazing. Cam Newton is, he's going to lead the Patriots to the East and, I even heard a couple of people say that he, he's going to take him to the Super Bowl. I mean, and that's where you know it's a slow news day mm-hmm. when the reaction about Cam Newton going to the Patriots is so freaking overblown. It's not even fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm a little on the like. I think the East just got that more competitive. This year, because we knew the Jets, we knew the East was wide open competition. Anyone could have won it this year. And but now that Cam is on the Patriots, it's it kind of brings like even more competition to like, wow, like the Jets and Bills and the Dolphins really have to step their game up because, yeah, Cam didn't play in 20 in 2019. And he, I think he's his game has stepped back a little bit since he went 15 and one in 2015. But it's he still can you know it's we he could he could pop off we have no idea like you said we don't know what we're gonna see this year we don't know if he's gonna be bad we don't know if he's gonna be good but with the Patriots you you, you can't really count them out now now we like in Belichick oh. he's wanted a mobile quarterback and he's okay. finally got one so it, it's hmm. fair enough here is my thing though number one I don't know what Cam Newton is right now mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I have no idea number two. Call me crazy, he's kind of an ass. He is. Okay. He's got a little bit of an attitude problem. And you question if that will – if he'll butt heads with Belichick. Mm-hmm. And one thing Belichick does well, though, is he takes 
problems and makes them into saints. It's a very fascinating brainwashing thing he does because he's a winner. He's a Super Bowl winner. He's a six-time Super Bowl winning coach. Not to mention, I know you want to ring with the Giants with Parcells and everything. Now, here's the problem I have. The Patriots don't have a lot on offense for them in 2020. The only receiver right now they currently have that's maybe challenging mm-hmm. is Julian Edelman. And you can rest assured that teams will be focusing more on Julian Edelman this year compared to, you know, well, listen, he's a, he's a great receiver, but he's, he's a very, he's a slot receiver. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of inexperience on the Patriots team right now. You don't have Gronkowski anymore. You have two rookie tight ends that you drafted this year, not to mention you don't really have that, that bona fide tight end that will be a security blanket. Your outside receivers going into this year are going to be Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu was – I thought he was terrible last year with the Patriots. He was better with the Falcons under Matt Ryan. He wasn't really much of a factor under, with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the Patriots are going to be more predicated to the running game. Yeah. I think you're going to see Sony Michelle get more carries. James White will be kind of will always be a good weapon out of the backfield. And yes, Cam could use his legs. But the Patriot offense is not generated like that. They don't run a lot of trick plays with Cam. They don't run a lot of quarterback options because Tom Brady was not a mobile quarterback. So that's something that McDaniel's is going to have to adjust to. And like you said, the division got better. It did. Okay, I think the Dolphins are going to be a little bit of a better team this year. I think the Jets are going to be a better team this year. And I think the Buffalo Bills will be a solid team. We already know that. Yeah. Like, like I said, Cam, like we don't know what Cam is going to do, but it's the fact that, you know, he was once an MVP. He went to the Super Bowl. He, he, was, he was a great quarterback. And, you know, we've seen his game, you know, fall off a little bit in the past years. But I, in my mind. If I remember I, correctly, he went to one Super Bowl and did not play well. Yeah. That no, I do Correct. You're correct. You're correct on that. I was against Denver with Peyton Manning. Yeah, they got blown out or something yeah, like he that. Was, he was not good. He I was, know he yeah. He shit the bed immensely, and since that, and since that, his game really has like step. He's stepped down a bit, but I still think he's still a good quarterback. I still think he can turn it on at any point, and I feel like he's you know because it took him so long to sign. It took him this long to get signed, and it was only a seven million dollar deal. He's gonna have a little motivation behind yes. him. But here's the key, Clem. It's incentive-laden. And you know what that tells me at the same time? That Cam Newton does not have a guaranteed spot on this roster. Mm-hmm. That's what that tells me. Yeah. Honest to God, I would not be surprised in the least because everybody's already proclaiming Cam Newton to be the starter. Mm-hmm. Here are the problems. Number one, he's late to training camp. That's a big, that's a big issue. Okay? Number two, there's not going to be as many preseason games this year. They're going to reduce it to two. I think if they haven't done it yet, I think that's the plan. That also works against Cam Newton. And number three, it's not like it's an $8 million guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know what the base salary is off the top of my head. If you can find it, let me know. I'll look it up. And then on top of that, number four, I think they've built up Jared Stidham too much. You've already you've built this guy up in the offseason. You had players, you know – Telling them, you know, guys like Stephon Gilmore saying that they have his back and they think he's going to be really good and everything. And I think this is an interesting kind of thing that they're doing here because 
all of a sudden now you're basically trying to tell the world that Jared Stidham isn't good enough, but for months you were saying, yeah, he's going to be our guy. It's a weird message you're sending to the league. Not to mention, you know, Jared Stidham does know the offense. We'll we'll see how good he is. We we don't really know how good he's going to be, of course. But so does Brian Hoyer. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to say that Brian Hoyer is a better quarterback than Cam Newton. Far from it. But this is not a deal that's guaranteeing Cam Newton $8 million. He has to hit incentives to get that money. This just seems to me like part of me thinks it's just another body to have in camp. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think going into the it's gonna be it's gonna be a competition between Stidham and Newton because, like you said, come this whole time they were they were all in on Stidham, all in on Stidham, and out of the clear blue sky, they signed Cam Newton. It's it, it it's gonna be interesting to see what happens if it's you know like like I said, I think it, it's an open competition to see who's the starting quarterback. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if, if, if and when Cam Newton does get the job to be a starting quarterback, like how their offense is going to be. Because for 20 years, we've seen just this one offense revolved around Tom Brady. Now you have a mobile quarterback in there like Cam Newton. It, it's going to be different. It's going to be real different. And the thing is, is like how many running plays can you possibly do with Cam or Sony Michelle? And listen, you're bringing back the same offensive line, which is great, you know, pretty much the same. The line is intact, which is very important for the Patriots. So that's when, when we were talking about the Patriots at the very beginning of the, the year, you and I, mm-hmm. we had both kind of come to the conclusion that the Patriots are going to be more of a run first team. They were going to be more of a run oriented team because you have guys like James White, you have guys like Rex Burkhead, and you have guys like Sony Michelle. Now throw Cam Newton in. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't expect Cam Newton to be a gimmicky quarterback. I won't go that far. I think it's a bit extreme. However, I don't know how good he can be because he's not, he's not Brady. That's the point. For example, if Nikhil Harry drops a pass, if Nikhil Harry doesn't catch up to a Cam Newton pass, is Cam Newton going to be a pain in the ass on the sideline, or is he going to help this kid? Mm-hmm. You see, those are the things you want to look for. Those are the intangibles you kind of look for. Yeah. You know, Brady was a bit of a prima donna, too. He still is, actually. But, I mean, the thing is, you don't know what you're going to get with Cam Newton. He's not really, you know, he gets a little bit of a bad rap. We know he can play. He's only 31 years old. And I say only 31 because I don't think 31 is an old age for a quarterback. Running back's a little different. Well, then that becomes another thing. Are you going to rely on Cam, 31-year-old legs, to lead your offense? Yeah. That's another option. You see, these are the things we don't know. We don't, these are the things we're not sure of. Where these are the things that are – we'll have to just see how it goes through the summer. Mm-hmm. But for all these people that are on Twitter and on social media talking about how, you know, this is an amazing signing and that, you know, he just – you know, he changed everything for the AFC East. I'm going to call bullshit on that. I don't think he changed anything, but I agree with you. He's made, he's made it competitive. Yeah, he did. He does make it competitive because you could say, like I said, the, the, the East was wide open this year between the Patriots, Bills, Jets, and Dolphins. It was wide open. But now that he's in here, former MVP, he went to the Super Bowl. It makes guys like Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Tua need to step up their game because they're like, oh, oh shit, here they are. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not too. Not oh, too right. Too. Yeah, right. Either way. Either way. They're like, oh, shit. 
we got to step it up. We got to be that much better because we don't know what Cam Newton's going to do and if he's going to be that same old Cam Newton. So here's my question. I mean, as of right now, do you like right away? Everybody's like, oh, Cam's the best quarterback in the AFC East. Well, how do you know that? You know, we, we bash, we bash Manish Mehta enough on this show, but I will say he came out and whether it's, you know, he favored the Jets or not, he did the ranking of the quarterbacks and he put Sam, Josh Allen, Cam, and then Tua. I mean, I don't, a lot of people are giving Sam this number one nod in the AFC East. And, you know, we talked to Jamie D'Amico about the Bills and, and Josh Allen. I, I mean, personally, I think, I think it's Josh Allen. I really do. I'm going to stick with Sam mm-hmm. because I just think there are things that he can do that Josh Allen can't. Some of the, like I said, Clem, watch some of the games from last year if you can. Like, watch the highlights and all that stuff. Some of the throws that Sam makes are just downright nasty. Like, they're literally right on the money to a receiver in traffic. These are things you can't teach. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam's got a bit of a raw deal because he's been under numerous coordinators. Well, now he's not. Mm-hmm. And I think he can put up the stats this year. I know the schedule is going to be brutal. I, I get it. I, I know. You know, Buffalo on the road and then your home opener against the 49ers, that's a rough first two games right there. But it doesn't mean he can't put up the stats. Yeah. And I think he can. You know, it sucks with the virtual offseason. It, it really does. I mean, it, it's, it's terrible. And we're not really sure what's going to happen with regards to training camps and stuff. You know, cases are spiking everywhere, whether it's Florida, Texas, Arizona. It's insane how many people are getting infected. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what the future is right now. But I'm not going to sit here and proclaim the New England. First of all, I said from the beginning that New England is the team to beat unless somebody proves them otherwise. Right. So we're already going into the year knowing full well the New England Patriots are the team to beat in the AFC East. Okay. And Belichick, listen, I always knew Belichick always has something up his sleeve. So give him credit for the Cam Newton sign. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the timing of it was actually good because it offset everybody forgot about the, the penalty for the Patriots you know, for the Spygate thing with Cincinnati. So that's vintage Belichick right there. So you give him a lot of credit there. But I cannot sit here and proclaim Cam Newton to be the, the best quarterback in the AFC East and the Patriots, the Super Bowl contenders, because I don't really know what they are. Yeah. I have no idea. Do you know how many guys the Patriots lost last year alone? Lost oh. a lot. And then on top of that, there's a lot of players who hate playing for Belichick, and they made it publicly known. Mm-hmm. Gronkowski literally came back just to go to Tampa. I mean, what does that tell you? Cam is not going to have that security blanket at tight end. He's going to be working with two rookies, and I forgot who the other guy is. Okay? And the receiving core is not going to be very strong either, outside of Edelman, who, by the way, gets hurt a lot. Yeah. Because he takes those hits across the middle, man. He's a tough SOB. He is. He really is, man. He's a tough, tough guy. I will say this, though. If I looked at their depth chart, they do have, like, decent wide receivers. I mean, they can pull something together if everyone, you know, stays healthy. They have Gil Harry, who's a highly touted prospect out of Arizona State, who we've yet seen the play. Uh, Julian Edelman, we all know, can is a baller, but he, again, gets hurt. They signed Marquise Lee, which I think was a good signing. But, again, we don't know. We're going to make the team. Exactly. That's the problem. And, you know, with these – and they have, like – I think 
they're going to have to reinvent this offense for Cam Newton. And re- Cam Newton's going to have to reinvent himself if he wants to be successful with the Patriots because they have a better They have better running backs. They do wide Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, they they have five running backs who are probably going to keep on the roster, and they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be like for the first time in a long time a running team, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, and the thing is, is that if they get behind, though, then you're going to be relying on whoever. And like I said, I'm telling you right now, man, don't be surprised if week one, Jared Stidham is the starter. I won't be surprised. Yeah, don't I won't be surprised. surprised. Everyone will probably be like, oh, my God, I can't believe Cam didn't beat out Stidham. The thing is, is right now, Stidham has more experience in this offense than Cam does. And I think the Patriots have built him up too much. The thing is, this kid's going to go into a competition with Brian Hoyer and Cam Newton. His confidence could be shot right now. Yeah. The thing is, look, Belichick doesn't give a shit. He's just like, whatever, I'm trying to win football games. And that's the way you should be behaving as a coach. Of course, it's how you should be behaving. I, I, I wouldn't sit here and say, well, Belichick should be rebuilding with Jared Stidham if he thinks he's that good. But you went through the entire offseason backing this kid saying all the good things and everybody was commenting on how, you know, there's good things about him. They like him. They like him. They like him. They really like him and everything. I think even, like I said, players like Stefan Gilmore came out to back up Stidham. I think a couple of other players came out and months ago, this was like during like, this was during more of the free agency period. You don't draft a quarterback to replace them to at least challenge him. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. It wasn't the greatest quarterback draft. And if you're not going to draft one in the first round, like a Jordan love, then there's no – then whatever. Mm-hmm. We will never second-guess a guy like Bill Belichick. I will never second-guess Bill Belichick, ever. If he doesn't feel like the quarterbacks are good, the man's won six Super Bowls. Who am I to tell him he's wrong? Exactly. And we've seen Belichick turn garbage into diamonds. So, exactly. So, I, yeah, we, we, we can't question him. <laughs> exactly. Now, getting to that. That being said, we have three quarterbacks on this roster. Two of them are familiar with Belichick, and they are familiar with the offense. They're familiar with his ticks. They are familiar with McDaniels and everything. One isn't, and that's Cam Newton. I don't know what to expect out of Cam, but I will never sit here and anoint this guy the, you know, I will never anoint this guy the MVP or – automatically leading the Patriots to the playoffs and all that stuff, because there's no guarantee he's going to make the team. Mm-hmm. There is no guarantee. And I know people are going to sit there and be like, Oh, that, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Why? Why does that not make sense? He's on an incentive laden deal. It doesn't hurt the team at all. We don't even know if he's fully recovered from the shoulder injury that he had last year. They need surgery on mm-hmm. And he's got a whole bunch of new talent that he's never played with before. (laughs) He's never played with Nikhil Harry. He has no tight end security blanket. He doesn't have, you know, he has Edelman. Okay, fine. But this team is not, we don't know what they are. And their defense took a hit this year. We're losing guys like Kyle Van Noy, losing Jamie Collins, losing Deron Harmon. They've lost a lot of guys. And of course, I mean, I mean, we, we, we can't forget, of course, Tom Brady. And part of me thinks this is Belichick's F you to Brady. This is like, okay, I'm going to prove to you I can win without you. And if it's not going to be Stidham, then I'm going to bring in Cam. Right. 
And there's nothing wrong with that logic either. There, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Look, when you're when you've built up this evil empire that is the New England Patriots, you got you got to try and stay on top as much as, as best as you can. And if you think Cam Newton's going to do that, then absolutely go out and sign him. I think they made a smart choice by signing Cam Newton. I agree, but I will not sit here and listen to the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. Listen to all these other people on Twitter, the Albert Breers or whoever it is, talking about how. Cam Newton is going to revolutionize the AFC East and he's going to catapult the Patriots right into the first round bye or whatever it is. It's ridiculous. The guy hasn't played in a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have no idea. You're throwing a lot of expectations on him to lead the Patriots to the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl. And again, we don't know how he's going to mesh with Belichick. That's a big X factor right there. Yeah, that is a big aspect. But Belichick does have this thing where he turns problem players into, you know, like they calm down and like, all right, I'll play good for the Patriots. We saw it with Randy Moss, Antonio Brown when he was here. The only reason they got rid of Antonio Brown because something else came up and they were like, yeah, exactly. he would have still been on the team. Yeah, exactly. If that never came up, he, he probably would have been still on the Patriots, but something came up again. They were like, yeah, you got to go. You like, know what the crazy thing is? Like, I think about how good the Patriots would have been with a full season with Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown and Edelman, I know you don't have Gronk, but that's okay. But still, the fact of having a number one type of guy – listen, Antonio Brown is still a good receiver. He just has to get his head on straight. Yeah. That's the key. We know he has talent. We know he can play. He's proven that time and time, time, and time again. But the fact is, is that right now, we just don't know what Cam is. So I can't sit here and say this is – I think it's a good signing. It's a very low-risk, high-reward signing. Okay? And for all the people out there saying, well, maybe the, you, the Jets can't sign everybody just because you don't want the, him to go to the Patriots. So, look, would I love to have seen Cam Newton on the Jets? Sure. Do I think Cam Newton wanted to be a backup? No. Yeah, exactly. And that's, the, and that's the problem I had with Manish made his tweet last night. That's why I called him a clown. Because he's already out here bashing Joe Douglas for signing Joe Flacco instead of Cam Newton. He was, <laughs> Sorry, <Trump> is <laughs> My bad. <laughs> he basically came out and just said, like, oh, Joe Flacco, we don't even know if he's going to be ready for week one. Meanwhile, the Patriots are out here signing Cam Newton, who's way better than Joe Flacco. That's not a question. We all know Cam Newton's better than Joe Flacco. Flacco was the cheaper signing. We know he'll be a backup, and it's a better option for Sam. Sam and Cam are two – that rhymed. Sam and Cam are two different styles. <laughs> They're two different style quarterbacks. Joe and Sam are kind of like almost the same kind of his pro-style quarterbacks. You know? Well, so the thing is, is that Joe Flacco knows what his role is. His exactly. role is to be backup to Sam Darnold. The thing is, we don't know what Cam Newton's role is. Exactly. I don't know if Cam Newton would have accepted a backup position. So my guess is, this is my honest opinion. I would not be surprised in the least if this happens. Ready? Mm-hmm. They probably promised Cam Newton that he can compete for the job, for the starting job. They would not anointed him the starting quarterback. Because you know Belichick's not going to pull that crap until three days before a Sunday, before week one. They will give him the opportunity to compete for the job. And if he does, if he wins it, he wins it. If mm-hmm. he doesn't, he gets caught. Yeah, exactly. And, and I he saw- will take it and go. And, That's like, all. 
I was going to say, I saw some other news that came out that only the Patriots and the Browns were the only other teams to talk to the Cam Newton. Because you know why? Because no other team needs a starting quarterback. That's why. I mean, the Browns don't really need one either, and they just signed Case Keenum. So I don't understand why they would sign Cam Newton. Exactly. They gave Case Keenum a three-year deal, so that doesn't make any sense for the Browns. But then again, it's Cleveland, so why am I not surprised? <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, we can go on and on, so we'll just we'll leave it at this. I like the signing for the Patriots. We kind of had a feeling if there was a team that was going to grab them, it was going to be them. I personally thought that Cam's attitude was going to was not going to mesh well with Belichick. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, you know my opinion, and I don't know if new Patriot fans have really have embraced Cam Newton the way that everyone else kind of does, but right now, I just don't know what they have. Yeah. I'm not going to say – him on the field. I need to see him on the field. Yeah, we need, we need to see Cam on the field. And I'm not calling myself a genius, but I did report this news about three months ago. Yes, I saw your tweet and the victory, <laughs> the victory parade that I went around my house this morning. You know, so proud of yourself. I knew it, man. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, you hot-wired one of the sign trucks and then drove around so you didn't have to, like, pay for the floats. So, um, but, yeah. I mean, but we, we got we to gotta tone it down a bit. I mean, we got to take it down to at least a five on Cam Newton. I don't know what Cam Newton is. I don't know what Cam Newton's going to be. And I'll just leave it at that. But look, for the Patriots, it's a, it's a low-risk, high-reward signing. I couldn't agree more with a lot of people on that. I'm just not going to immediately proclaim the New England Patriots the champions of the AFC East because Cam Newton, at the end of the day, is not Tom Yes, he's not Tom Brady. He will never be Tom Brady. And like I said, I don't let, and I agree with you. It does not anoint the Patriots in the AFC East again. I think it just thinks it makes the AFC East that much competitive. I think the Patriots are going to have a difficult time than before because it's not going to be as easy for the Patriots. And I'm not saying they think it's going to be easy, but playing without Tom Brady, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots, especially guys like Edelman, have to adjust to that. Tom Brady and Julian Edelman played together for so many years. Julian Edelman was not – I won't say he was, like, visibly depressed that Brady left, but he was doing everything in his power to keep Brady in New England. Right. Can Edelman, can Edelman adapt to a new quarterback like Cam Newton? Can he adapt to a rookie like Jared Stidham? We don't know. That's a big deal because he is their best receiver right now. Mm-hmm. Nikhil Harry was a first-round pick, but he's unproven. Yeah. Mohamed Sanu was not very good for them. And like I said, one of the Patriots' big strengths has always been tight end. That security blanket has always been huge for the Patriots. They don't have it anymore. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And again, against an improved Jets team, an improved Dolphins team, and an improved Bills team. A Dolphins team, that smoked the Patriots in Week 17. Yeah. score was different. I mean, the score was closer than it was, but the Dolphins completely outplayed them week 17. The, towards the end of the season, the Dolphins really picked up their shit. And, they, and, we, and honestly, I see the Dolphins as like – I saw them last year. I was like, oh, man, they could be a following point. I think they can because, you know, you give Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple games to start and then you let Tua take over whenever he does, it could be bad news. And that just makes the AFC East that much more competitive. We know the Jets have gotten better. We know the Bills have obviously gotten better. 
Cam Newton going to the Patriots. The Patriots got just a little bit better now. And this, this resurgence of the Dolphins with Brian Flores. This team looked good last year. The Dolphins are going to be better this year. It's a very going to be a very exciting AFC East this year. Okay, so before we get to baseball, let me ask you a really quick question. What did you think of Jamal Adams' tweet? What do you tweet? I, I, I can't basically keep up with like, all of his drama. He basically gave um, Bill Belichick props for signing Cam Newton. Oh, yeah, I saw that. He's, Look, it's, it's just like he's like making slights at the Jets. Like, oh, hey, man, he got a contract. Ho-ho. Like, where's my? He got a one-year incentive-laden deal. I'll be very happy to give Jamal Adams exactly what Cam Newton got. Okay? That's how stupid he is because he's praising things. Look, I don't think there's much of a rivalry between the Jets and the Patriots, and I will not sit here and get mad at stuff because, quite frankly, the Jets have made two interesting trades with the Patriots over the past year. The Demarius Thomas deal for one, and then on the draft when they traded, they got multiple third-round picks from the Patriots and one, or multiple fourth-round picks from the Patriots and had three fourth-rounders. Mm-hmm. Okay? Back in the day, that was not even an option. Douglas has definitely said, I don't care. Whoever gives me the best deal is the one I'm going to make. Yeah. So give them a, give them a ton of credit for that. But the thing is, for Jamal Adams to do that, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. Listen, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm not saying, listen, you want to you be a clown and congratulate Bill Belichick, go ahead. But all you're doing at that point is pissing off Jet fans. Yeah. And aren't these the people that you're trying to get on your side by basically throwing Adam Gase under the bus? To, of all people, Manish Mehta? So my question is, if your whole point is to try to get them on your side, then why are you trying to do things to get under their skin? I can't, I can't get a read on Adams anymore. It's always- so it gets even better, though, about Cam. Adams, is a, he's a tool, and he knows he is. My advice at this point with the Jets is Joe Douglas is going to have to talk to him and just say, listen, what's going on? You know, why are you making this such a big issue, a colossal issue? We never said we weren't going to resign you. We never said we were going to trade you. I mean, but right, you know, explain to him. In this climate, I cannot give you that kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if I remember right, it said three out of 117 players that have been up for a new deal in their third year never get it. Or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Three out of the 117 have gotten it. Khalil Mack never got it. Aaron Donald never got it. Pat Mahomes isn't getting it. Deshaun Watson isn't getting it. These are just the first four off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. I cannot remember the other two off the top of my head. Obviously, one is Christian McCaffrey because he just got his deal. But it has not gone well for this situation. And that does work against Adam. But I think that Douglas has to put this to bed one way or another. Like, yeah, either trade him or give him the contract at this point. Those are the only two options you can do. The thing is, look, if you're going to hold out, then I get another year with you. And you don't yeah. want that. So that works against you to start. So what's the deal? You want to come in and try to win with this team or not? And then Adams looks like a bigger idiot because he doesn't want to take an extension with a team. But he's t- basically trying to tell the Jets where to trade him. Yeah. And that, to me, makes no sense. Why would I trade you to the Ravens? Why would I trade you to the Cowboys? I don't need a low first-round pick for him, for you. I want to get a high. I want to get multiple draft picks. I want high draft picks for you. Yeah, you were a sixth overall pick. I want, I want high stuff. I'd rather trade you to a team where I'm going to get a pick in the top 10 or maybe in the top 15. 
Yeah, exactly. And I can play with it as I wish. But I mean, again, Adams has done this wrong from the beginning, and this is no different. Adding to that is the comments that Richard Sherman made today, where apparently he thought that Cam's contract was, quote, disgusting. Like disgusting Meaning, good or disgusting bad? Disgusting bad because, you know, there are guys out there. He basically saying there are quarterbacks out there who suck and are getting paid $15, $60 million a year and Cam can't get the money. You know what that tells me? That tells me that you're pissed off that a black quarterback isn't making as much money as a white quarterback. That's the only card that – it's the only thing that makes sense when you make a comment like that. I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – when – I heard Cam got signed. I thought it was going to be roughly in the like the twelve million dollar range, if and when he got signed. Million, I was like, "Ooh, that's pretty pretty cheap for Cam Newton." I'm not going to lie. But here's the thing: here's what Richard Sherman doesn't understand. And I like Richard Sherman. I've always liked him as a player. Cam signed the deal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what other quarterbacks are making if Cam Newton signs that contract. Yeah, because he easily could have just held out and be like, well, screw it. I want to make more money. I deserve more. I'm Cam Newton. He could have said that, but he didn't. And that's what my point is. Cam Newton is not holding out for the deal that he wants, like a Jadavian Clowney or a Logan Ryan. He's taking a deal that he wants to take. So your argument makes no sense because you're calling the contract disgusting. Basically, you're saying, well, the Patriots should have paid him more. But if I'm the Patriots and he accepts my deal, why the hell am I going to pay him more? Yeah, exactly. He's the one who so like, Don't blame Cam. Don't blame the Patriots. Blame his agent. His agent's an idiot. Good time to take the deal. But I got this weird vibe that it was this, you know, oh, black quarterbacks are never going to make as much money as white quarterbacks. Well, don't worry. When Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson get their deals and Dak Prescott eventually, you might be singing a different tune. Mm-hmm. All right, getting to baseball. Oh, by the way, breaking news. Breaking Spencer news. Dinwiddie, COVID-19. Uh, not a good look for the Nets. Not a good look for sports. That too. <laughs> but, listen, right now there's two weeks left. There's, you know, he quarantines himself for two weeks. See what happens. Getting to baseball. So, obviously, the big story is, you know, League's coming, you know, July 23rd, July 24th is going to be the start of the season. Uh, We'll see how long it lasts. Right now, I mean, players seem to be pretty pleased with how everything is going with regards to the seriousness of COVID-19 in the league. So players seem to be fairly happy with that. Um, However, interesting story today, how three players have already decided they will back out of the 2020 season. Two of them are on the Nationals. Yeah, I saw one was Ryan Zimmerman. I didn't get to see the other two. Joe Ross is the other one. Joe Ross, Joe Ross is a pitcher for their rotation. Right. So look, Joe Ross is a fifth starter, so it's not a colossal deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Mike Leake is another pitcher who decided to step out. Mm-hmm. He's in the Diamondbacks right now. So that's another pitcher. that. So right now in a day, you have three players. And while he hasn't officially ruled himself out for the season, there is a rumor going around that Anthony Rizzo may be one of them. Anthony Rizzo, I didn't know this, and I think if I read it right, he's a cancer survivor, which I was not aware of. That does sound familiar, I think. I, I'm not 100% on that, but that, does, I, that sounds familiar. So being as though Anthony Rizzo is a cancer survivor, he has a higher risk of contracting the disease, the virus. 
But right now, as of right now, no Cubs players have backed out. Like, no, this is only three. But this is something to keep an eye on because this could be a growing sentiment around the league. There are players who are not happy about playing. But what happens in that situation? I'm assuming they cough up their salary for the year because if there's a season and you don't play, then how are you going to get paid? Yeah, exactly. You got to get paid if you're not going to, if you're, per, if you're in, if you're voluntarily sitting out the season. Yeah. Like maybe they work something out behind closed doors where they're like, Hey, we'll give you like 50,000 or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But, but right, I, would, I would imagine that they right now, the way where it is. We just, I mean, this could be the beginning of a trend. Yeah. And I don't, I don't bet. I'm not going to bash anyone who wants to sit out the season. I, I totally like understand. I'm like, Hey, you want to stay healthy. You want to not get fired. I bet you want to play baseball. I get you want to play money, but take care of yourself first. You know, like that's what I'm saying. Like, if if you don't feel comfortable in the situation, you don't feel comfortable going on the road or traveling to other places with the, with this disease out there, then absolutely sit out. I'm not gonna. No one should bash you for it. I, I commend you for doing so. You're you're your own health you and your family's health. Yeah, I'm checking to see right now, but it looks like. Um, I don't see any other players right now, but again, though, this is a trend and this could be an interesting trend because they don't want to risk it for their families. They want to risk it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Remember a lot of players are playing close to home, right? No, they're not, they're not where they normally would be when the off season is, is taking place. So this is kind of a big deal, but the fact that three players have already decided they would rather, they would rather, or on the side of caution and just say, you know what, you know, this is kind of a big deal. And this is a very weird season under some very strange circumstances. You have a 60 game season amidst the pandemic, which is only about 30% of the season. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, now you have players that are voluntarily stepping out, you know, because they don't want to get their family sick. They don't want to bring it home every day. They don't want to do that stuff. I applaud them for doing that. I think it's a very – it's a major message that you're sending to the league and to the owners and all that stuff that you would rather <clears throat> forfeit your salary, if that's the case, than risk getting an illness that could affect your wife, that could affect your kids, mm -hmm. your parents. I mean, just hypotheticals, you know. But we'll see how it plays out because, again, this is an interesting trend right now that's, that's happening with baseball, with another sport. Yeah, Basketballs exactly. are – Basketball's already had a few people decide to back out of this year. Um, I think right now it's at four. Uh, Davis Bertens is the only one I know off the top of my head. I can't think of the other three. Uh, Wilson Chandler from the Brooklyn Nets is actually the latest one. He backed out for the season. So, I mean, if you're giving them the option, that's great, but do they automatically get paid for voluntarily sitting out the season? I don't. That, I, yeah, I don't think they, they should, uh, but – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they something went behind closed doors and be like, hey, look, man, like, here's $50,000 or something. We don't know. I, I don't know, but we'll see. But here's supposed to show you how delusional this is getting, though, because we, we segue back to wrestling for a minute. You know, Vince McMahon is talking about wanting to do Raws and Smackdowns with live audiences starting at the end of August. Mm -hmm. That's right around the time of SummerSlam. I mean, that's a pretty ballsy step when a lot of people are testing positive, including – Renee Young, uh, Kayla Braxton, I think, was the one that had it twice. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty big, that's a ballsy move by Vince. Because it kind of, it, you can look at it two ways. Either you, you know, you think it's not a big deal or you don't give a crap about your talent and you'd rather risk them getting infected just as long as people get to see the show. Right. And the question becomes, do people want to go to the arena, especially in Florida, for crying out loud, when you have 10,000 new cases a day, not exactly a good thing. And so there's the delusional, and then there are the people that are a little bit more realistic. Right. Guys like Ryan Zimmerman, guys like Davis Bertans, guys like Wilson Chandler, who just don't feel comfortable playing basketball. You know, like, and I think that's a pretty strong message you're sending to the leagues that you would, for the sake of your family, it's almost like what Roman Reigns did. Mm -hmm. Roman Reigns is a leukemia survivor. His wife is about to give birth to twins if she hasn't done it already. And he decided that he didn't want to take the risk. It was too risky for him to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, again, I don't, I don't blame guys like Roman and Sami Zayn voluntarily stepping inside and be like, look, I'm looking out for my own, my best interests. As much as I mentioned, as much as they probably want to be out there wrestling, they got to look out for their own health and they don't, they don't want because they see the numbers rising. They see people are dying from it. And I get it. I completely get it. I'm not going to, I'm not mad that, you know, do I want to see Sami Zayn and Roman on my TV? Yeah, I do. I want to see them. I want to see, you know, guys like Ryan Zimmerman play and, and Joe Ross. Everybody yeah, but, I'm, knows, but we have to understand where they're coming from, too. Yeah, exactly. And I get it 100%. 100% get what they're, what they're going through. Um, which segues to the Mets, which is a very interesting thing that they're doing. As you know, the rosters are at 60-man rosters, and most teams have already submitted their rosters for the most part. I believe most of the rosters are full. The Mets are one of the few teams that didn't only submitted 45 names mm-hmm. originally. Now, listen, we know who the usual suspects are, you know, Think about, you know, the, the starting five and then, you know, rotation-wise. And then, of course, you, you know, Cespedes, Dom Smith, McNeil, the rest goes on and on. You know, Andres Jimenez is going to be one of the guys. David Peterson is going to be one of the pitchers that are going to be on the roster. Um, I think Kevin Smith is another one who they seem to be really like him. Um, uh, Riley Gilliam is one. And it keeps going on. But What's interesting about the Mets situation is they didn't just flood their roster with a bunch of rookies that may not see any playing time. Mm-hmm. What they decided to do was they decided to add veteran players on minor league contracts to shape the roster. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, as of right now, they only have 50 guys on the roster. They still have to get the 60. But it's pretty interesting what they did. For example, you, we were talking about it before we started. They added Hunter Strickland. Veteran reliever, recently with the Nationals. Wasn't very good with the Nationals, but his ERA for over the past few years before that was a little bit over three. He's not a bad pitcher. He's not. No, I've always liked Hunter Strickland. And, you know, and the Nationals' bullpen has always was a disaster last year. I mean, they had a great run in the World Series, but the, in most of the season they were not good. Yeah. They were not good at all. Yeah, they were not good. But, you know, the fact that we can get a guy like that and just – Build up our bullpen even more. Who knows? We could, if Hunter could be like, you know what? We'll give him another contract for next year. We have no idea. And that's the thing with relief pitchers too. It could be, it could be so hit or miss with their seasons. Well, now we even saw that last year with Edwin Diaz. Yeah. Twenty eighteen, he was regarded as the best right hand reliever in baseball. 
Falcons in 2019, stinks up the place. It's so hit or miss with relief. It is. And listen, it is – right now, people are hoping there's a 2019 season because they want the Mets to get a return on their investment for Cano and Diaz. Right. Okay. Cano was actually not bad last year, but then he got hurt. And, you know, again, he's getting old. And Diaz was kind of – I just think Diaz's head wasn't on straight. Maybe, maybe a guy like Rojas would kind of even him out a bit. You know, not really sure. Mm-hmm. But – so they added Hunter Strickland to start. And then it got more interesting as it went on. So they added Gordon Beckham. Okay. Veteran second base player with the Tigers, I think, last year. They added Melky Cabrera. Who, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to like be like, oh, yeah, it's vintage Melky from the Yankees. I mean, we know he's a cheat. We know he's a steroid user. You know, you fabricated an entire website just to kind of cover it up, <laughs> which is impressive in itself. But, I mean, but the thing is, he's a veteran bat, and he's a good veteran bat. And, again, all these guys are on minor league deals. They're all on minor league deals. I think there was another guy they added. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. But um, and they also they added a, like a rookie who was playing well in spring training, Ryan Cordell, I think is his name. Yeah. It's an interesting strategy to take into this kind of unusual season. I think because, I, I like it. You know, yes, you can give a bunch of rookies a chance. Here's the thing that worries me though, and tell me if you agree. Imagine I throw a guy like Andres Jimenez out there, and I say, okay, you're going to play this position every day. Right? Or like, you know, I'm going to give you pinch hitting opportunities left and right. And he doesn't get hits. That could really mess with his confidence. Mm-hmm. Because he's facing big league pitching and he's showing that he can't handle it. Right. That's a big deal. I mean, with any young guy, with any young kid. And it's the same thing with guys like him. Like guys like Riley Gilliam and Kevin Smith, I'm not throwing out in a three to two game. No, yeah, exactly. Those Either are... we're winning twelve to nothing or we're losing twelve to nothing. That's the only way I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna send you out there. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know, you sign these these veteran guys. I feel, you know, not that I would I would love to see you know like Ronnie Maruccio or uh, Brett Beatty. I doubt they would call him up, but just saying. No, he's, no they're way too young. Yeah, but but yeah, anyway, like I would, yeah, I would love to see them come up and play, but the fact that you go out and sign like these veteran guys who have been in the league for X amount of years, I feel a little more confident in those guys than an unproven rookie that we haven't seen yet. You know? Yeah. Are, are Melky and Beckham and Strickland older? Yeah, they are. Has their game dipped? Yes. But I know what I'm going to get out of Melky, Beckham and Strickland. I don't know what I'm going to get out of these rookie guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andres Jimenez deserves to be on the team. And so does David Peterson and Kevin Smith. They deserve to be on the team. But I know what I'm going to get from those other guys. Those question mark guys, those filler guys, is who we don't know. And I'm kind of glad we're going in the direction of signing these older free agents. I mean, listen, out of, all the, out of all the guys so far, the one guy I think that'll be used the most is probably Hunter Strickland. Yeah. And Hunter Strickland is going to be used. I think he has a shot to be an additional pitcher on this bullpen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about Beckham. I don't know about Cabrera. I'm going to say that's 50-50. They'll just stay in, like, the minor league camp and practice with the team. But I don't know if they're going to really make any significant contributions. But I think a guy like Hunter Strickland can. And that's where I just – I'm very, like – it's a very interesting strategy, man, by Brody. I got to give him a little credit on this one. I like it. I like like the moves. 
listen, Hunter Strickland is not going to win us a World Series, but as a veteran arm in the bullpen, it's not a bad move. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad move. And I'm curious to see what else they do. Now, of course, the big, the big question is, are the Mets going to reserve one of those spots for Tebow? Because <laughs> he's technically still part of the Mets minor league organization. He's, he wasn't one of the cuts. Me personally, I'd stay away from him. I'd rather give it to other guys. I don't want to give it to Tebow. I don't think Tebow – I don't think Tebow needs – I don't want to give it to Tebow. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it if they gave it to Tebow, especially if they have fans in the stands this year. I mean, if the Mets want to be taken as a serious organization, this is one of the moves you don't make. I understand because you're not going to have fans anyway. The odds of you having fans in the stands is very slim. It's not going to happen. But putting a guy like Tebow in this whole mix – then you're going to feel pressure to play the guy because it's Tebow mm. and everything, and you don't want that. Okay. So and I'm going to say no, and I hope the Mets just do the right thing and just completely pass. All right. So before we go, we're going to bring back a Moffat on the Mic segment that we love, in the, especially with baseball season officially back. We kind of tabled this when baseball was going through all their negotiations and their bullshit and finger pointing and everything. But we've decided to bring it back as since the show, the season starts July 23rd, we decided to bring back the why your team won't matter segment. I run this by Clem. He is the producer. He is the boss. Clem approved it. So we're going to move forward with Clem. Are you excited? I am very excited. You don't sound like it. No, I am. I'm lo- no, because I'm, I'm very interested to see what, what, what you have to say because I'm looking at the Giants roster right now. So I'm very, I'm very excited. Okay. So today, as we said, we're going we're gonna to do this by division. So we're going to start with the NL West. It's not going to be in any specific order of record from last year, from 2019. I'm just going to do who I think where they're going to finish. Okay. So for starters, I believe the San Francisco Giants will be a last place team. So we're going to start with the Giants, and then we'll do the Rockies and the Padres and everything. One thing I didn't know about last year, because I wasn't too focused on NL West baseball, is the Giants actually finished in third place. I thought they were more of a last-place team, but then I remember this, that was their last year with Bochy. Ah. This goes to show you how good of a manager he really is. Mm-hmm. They finished 77-85, and 85, third place. My view on the NL West is it's the Dodgers and the field. Yeah. The last four are going to be interchangeable. I don't know who's going to finish where because, quite frankly, I don't think either roster is very strong, which is why I have a hard time believing the Dodgers are going to be a World Series champion because if they're going to play their division, if they're going to play whoever, I just have a hard time believing they're going to be a, like a World Series champion. Now, getting back to the Giants. A few notes on the Giants. Number one, obviously going into this year, this is their first year without, in a long time without Bruce Bochy, which is, you know, Bochy was a fantastic manager. Something tells me Bochy will be back in some way, shape, or form. You know, maybe a year or two. But I think if he finds the right niche, mm-hmm. I think he'll definitely be back as a manager. But the thing is, is that, they decided to go and hire Gabe Kapler to be his replacement. And that was a bit of a head scratcher for me, especially coming off two disappointing seasons in Philly and a lot of head scratching moves he made during games. 
I don't know, chalk it up to first time managing, you know, hopefully it's like lessons learned. Mm -hmm. But most teams don't automatically hire a manager with a losing record to come back, to read, to manage another team. So there's that. The free agency additions were basically a bunch of grizzled veterans on minor league deals. To me, the Giants seem like a team that's going to be rebuilding. This is kind of the start of it. I think they're going to try to be competitive with the veterans they currently have on the roster that have been there forever. The Buster Posey's and Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford. And then they're going to mix it in with a lot of the other veterans that they signed to pretty much garbage deals. So they made a lot of additions. I just don't know if any of these guys are going to be significantly good for them. Mm -hmm. So just running them down real quickly. They brought back Hunter Pence. They brought back Pablo Sandoval. They signed Drew Smiley. Mm -hmm. They signed Wilmer Flores, Trevor Cahill, Billy Hamilton, and Kevin Gaussman. Kevin Gaussman was terrible last year. For, I think he was with the Reds last year. A lot of the other guys are on minor league deals, except for a guy like Flores. Sandoval's even on a minor league deal. Cahill's on a minor league deal. Billy Hamilton's on a minor league I wanted Billy Hamilton for the Mets because I just love his speed. He can't, yeah, I, yeah. He can't hit, though. Oh, he's terrible. He can't hit, but he can field, and he's a super fast on the bases. So there's that. And then you kind of mix it in with the current roster that they have with Buster Posey, like I said, Crawford, Belt, Pence, you know, will probably retire a San Francisco Giant at this point. And listen, the universal DH benefits teams like the Giants because you may not have the greatest hitters in the world, but you do have hitters, and you can find a way to get them in the lineup on a daily basis. Guys like Wilmer Flores could thrive in a DH role. Mm-hmm. You know, we always knew Wilmer Flores wasn't a great defender, but he was a pretty good hitter. You can play Hunter Pence in that position every day. You can have Sandoval hit in that. In that. You can have Pence and Sandoval kind of alternate. Posey, too. Posey, too, on days that you don't want him to catch. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot that you can do with there. And Kapler can definitely mess with it. You know, one guy that you can watch for this year is Mike Yastrzemski. Had a pretty decent year last year, 21 home runs. I think he hit like 270. Overall, you know, something to build on at least. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of that, it's a lot of spare parts. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of different pieces here and there, but nothing to really solidify the team, nothing to really call them a contender in 2020. Now, the rotation gets a little interesting because I totally forgot that they had Johnny Cueto. I completely forgot they had Johnny Cueto. So bad. And the reason why I forgot they had Johnny Cueto is because Johnny Cueto has been out since 2018 with Tommy John surgery. He missed 2018. He He basically missed most of 2018 and most of 2019. He came back late in 2019. He didn't pitch bad. But he didn't pitch great either. But again, that's his first action in in a year. Cueto is going to be their opening day starter. Then you look at the rest of the rotation. It's a lot of veterans. Jeff Samarja didn't have a bad season last year. Pitched 180 innings. Had an ERA under four. Not a bad season. Not a terrible season for a losing team. And then the last three will be some form of Smiley, Gaussman, and Cahill unless a young pitcher wins a job outright. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
So it's not a terrible rotation. It's not. Where I run into a problem is their bullpen. Mm -hmm. Because I've never heard of half of these guys in their bullpen. Yeah, neither have I. I've heard of one guy. That's it. Two guys. That's it. So right now, I know it's Tony Watson. I know it's Tyler Rogers. Reyes Morant is a guy they seem to really like. You know, he was – he's – he, he uh, tore his labrum, so he, he missed a lot of time, but he was pretty decent for them when he, before he got injured. So Watson is coming off an injury. There's a lot of injuries here, and there's a lot of uncertainty in this bullpen right now. But again, I just think the Giants are a team that are just trying to cut it down and start over, but they have to get out from some of these deals. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brandon Belt – Johnny Cueto still, you know, they owe Johnny Cueto. I don't know if Johnny Cueto is a free agent after this year. I'm not sure. But this is going to be – and the thing is, again, if it was under a younger manager, I might be a little bit more optimistic. But I have no faith in Gabe Kapler whatsoever. I have no faith in Gabe Kapler to try to build this team into something good. So maybe he's a stopgap to get to the next guy that they like. I'm not sure. But – this is going to be a pretty brutal year for the Giants. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, listen, here's the saving grace for the Giants. Ready? It's a 60-game season. Yeah. And I hate to joke about that, and I hate to, but it's a 60-game season. So at least you're not having to deal with this over 162 games. So that's maybe a, a benefit. And we've seen what happens, right, Clem? Teams may go on a run. The team you least expected could go on a run. Mm -hmm. Not everything is set in stone. That's what makes this season so unique. But when all is said and done, I just this just seems like a year that they're just trying to clear out the dead weight, giving them giving their young guys another year to maybe develop. And by next year, they're either going to try to build a franchise, try to build the team through free agency. And again, here's another big factor that just kind of escaped me. You cannot rely on Madison Bumgarner now every fifth day. Oh, yeah. In Arizona. That was something – it was almost like, you know, we had Harvey Day. Yeah. You had Madison Day. Madison Bumgarner started for the Giants. Giant fans were pretty optimistic about a win. You don't have that anymore. Is Cueto going to be on an innings limit coming back from Tommy John surgery? We don't know. Yeah, it's not a good – like, are the hitters there? Yeah, you still have guys like Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Yastrzemski, and all these – they have out there still. But the thing that should worry you, and it's not a good thing, you got a lot of old guys in your rotation, No, not really any young guys, and then a bunch of no-name guys in your bullpen. It's not a good look. It really isn't. So here's the reason why, at the end of the day, the Giants won't matter. Here's the positive, and you just kind of said it. Their hitting is not bad. I think their lineup is actually okay. I think Posey missed, Posey missed like 50 games last year. Having a full, a healthy season. I think Posey could wind up being a designated hitter more. So again, like we say, the universal DH really benefits the Giants. Because Posey doesn't have to start every day. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. You know, Pence can play the outfield. I know he's, old. I know he's an older guy. But Pence could probably play the outfield a couple of days a week. And you could put Posey in, the, in a spot to – or at least play first base. Posey could play first base. He's, I think he did it last year, if, I'm, if I remember. So you have the hitters. But the problem is the Giants have had the same hitters for what feels like a century. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, Ozzy he, Crawford, Bell, Sandoval on two terms, if you think about it, because he crapped out in Boston and then went right back to San Francisco, Pence. It's almost like you've had the same lineup for like eight years. See, what the Giants have been trying to do is they've just been – since they won the World Series in 2014, they've – they've been just trying to put a bandy on the league they've had on this team and it hasn't been doing well. And that's why you keep seeing the same guys, Belt, Pence, Posey, Crawford. It's not good. Yeah. They started out the 2010s real high, three world series, probably the best team of the decade. But you know, now that's like, you know, they've, they've seen like they, they've showed their hand in what they can do. And they haven't really fixed it yet. They've just been trying to put a Band-Aid on the problem, and it hasn't been, it hasn't been good. And their bullpen being one, they have not addressed the closer position since Brian Wilson was there. It's been terrible. Yeah, I agree. So here's why at the end of the day the Giants won't matter in 2020. For starters, you're putting a lot of faith in Johnny Cueto, who's just coming back from Tommy John surgery. You are going. I don't know what they expect of him. I don't know if he's just going to be a five-inning pitcher. But that's not what you can expect from your ace. And Johnny Cueto right now is your de facto ace of the rotation. Mm-hmm. I expect a guy like Samarja to have a, to have a good season, especially in a shortened season. But outside of that, the last three don't do much for me. Yes, on paper, they sound great. You know, they sound great to say, well, you know, Drew Smiley has veteran experience. Trevor Cahill's a veteran. And so is Kevin Gossman. But Kevin Gossman was awful last year. Yeah, all these – those last three guys you made. Cahill is going to be the king of the minor league deal for the rest of his career. I was say, and the yeah. same thing with Smiley. So you kind of got them on the cheap, and that's great. But they're not guys that you want to round out. Listen, I wouldn't have a problem with one of these guys being my fifth. Yeah. But I'm not – if I have to go into a three-game series with Drew Smiley or Gaussman or Cahill – and I lose Cueto or Samarja to injury, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Like, unless, like you said, unless they somehow, you know, they turn it around and make a push for the playoffs, then it'll be like, okay, then they do the right thing because they added the veteran talent. But the last three guys you mentioned, Cahill, Smiley, and Gaussman, those are three journeyman pitchers in this league. They've been bounced around from teams left and right. And the other – so that's the first reason. The second reason is, knowing how weak my rotation is, it's going to put a lot of strain on my bullpen. And the thing is, if you don't know, the, if you look at the depth chart for the Giants and you don't know who half those guys are, imagine who the other guys are that are on their 60 man. Yeah. No one knows who any of these guys are. It's like Major League. Who the hell are these guys? I won't use the colorful language, of course. But my point is, is that if Cueto can only go five innings, if Smiley, Gaussman, or Cahill can barely get through the fifth inning, mm-hmm. it's going to tax your bullpen. Yeah. And you can't afford that to happen. Yeah, and it's not, like you, ha- I was gonna say, it's not like you have Madison Bumgarner there anymore to yeah. bail you out every other day. And the thing is, who's the closer? Exactly. I have no idea who the closer on this team is right now. It, maybe it's a closer by committee, which normally doesn't work, but maybe in this situation, if you're, if you're just going to throw it all out there, then there's nothing wrong with what the Giants are doing. If you think your odds of winning the World Series this year or getting to the playoffs are unrealistic, then there's nothing wrong with just putting a bunch of guys out there and just seeing what you can do. Mm-hmm. And maybe Kapler finds his niche in San Francisco because he sure as hell didn't find it in Philly. There was also a lot of egos in Philadelphia, too. 
I'm not saying that's the reason why. Kapler was just not a good manager. So for him to get the job was a bit of a head scratcher for me, but fine. So you have the rotation, which is fairly weak. You have a bullpen of literal unknowns outside of a, one or two players, like you just said, which is going to tax the bullpen. And the third reason why I think the Giants won't matter in 2020 is Gabe Kaplan. Because I just don't know what he is. I don't know if he's going to be a good manager for this team. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you know, listen, it, San Francisco is, I've never been, put it on my bucket list. It's one of the most, looks like one of the most beautiful ballparks to go to for a game. Yeah, and no, I've always wanted to go there. But for this year, I just think this team is going to be the worst team in the National League West. And the reason why I say that is if you take a team like the Rockies, the Rockies have quality hitters, and they have Nolan Arenado. They have Trevor Story. They have – and they have Bud Black, who, quite frankly, for what he's – you know, the pitching staff is not terrible there. It's not bad. It's not. Yeah, it, it's not. It's really picked it up this past couple of years. I mean, if you're a hitter, go to Colorado and sign there. And you'll make big money on your next contract. Why do I think the Padres? Because the Padres have Manny Machado. They have Eric Hosmer, Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, they have an all-around, just, just by on paper, it looks like a better team than what the Giants are putting out there. And then yeah. the Diamondbacks, you have guys like Robbie Ray. You have... Madison Bumgarner every fifth day. Pretty strong. Yeah, exactly. Giants is just a bunch to me. It's like a bunch of, you know, throwing a bunch of players at the wall and seeing what sticks. You have a bunch of old guys on the team. It's not, it's not a good look. It's really not. You have a bunch of old guys at pitcher, no names in your bullpen. And, yeah, can the old guys who are on your hitting, on your hitting staff, can, can they do it? Yeah, they can. I have no problem with Evan Longoria and Brandon Longoria too. He's another guy I totally forgot about, but ever since he went to San Francisco, he's been bad. Yeah, exactly. But again, it's all like the Rays did right by getting rid of him. He's at the back. He's at the back end of his career. And all these guys, again, are old. There's only a few young guys who are there in the, in for the giants hitting. And it's like, it's Yastrzemski and Billy Hamilton. Really? That's If you want to count him as young, which he's not. Yeah, exactly. But again, so there are your three reasons why they will not matter. The San Francisco Giants will not matter in 2020. It is a very shaky rotation, a bullpen of unknowns that I don't have confidence can get the job done if guys like Cueto can only go four innings or five innings. Mm -hmm. You know he's going to be on some kind of an innings limit. Right. You know, Samarja will probably give you the most in a game. But Smiley, Gaussman, and Cahill, I, I have no confidence in whatsoever to round out that rotation. Mm-hmm. And the last is Gabe Kapler, a losing manager getting a second shot with a team that I don't know what he can do. Mm-hmm. So I will leave it at that. So there are the three reasons why the San Francisco Giants will not matter in 2020. There you go, Clint. No. All right, any parting shots before we get out of here? Yeah, I got a quiz for you. All right, Clint's quiz of the day. Hit, hit it. All right, so I have this – all these quiz – I got three of them. I'm going to let you pick one. Uh, they're all revolving Cam Newton since, you know, big, big Cam Newton news. All right, you can choose door A, door B, or door C. Which one do you want? Um, I will go with my average in high school, C. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all 
That was more like my average in high school, but <laughs> I was a B student club. So All right, we'll get it twisted. 2011. Okay. Cam Newton led the Auburn Tigers to a national championship. Okay. Who, who did they play, and who was the star player of that team? Jesus. 2011. Um, I'm going to say Ohio State. No. All right, give me the conference. Pac-12. Yeah, Pac-12. <laughs> 2011? 2011. Yeah. Uh, they didn't, they didn't, this team did not have a flag. I'll tell you, I'll give you another hint. The, their, their best player was not their quarterback. Okay. They did not have a flashy name at quarterback that year. Okay, they have a flashy name at quarterback. Pac-12. Oregon? Mm-hmm. It is Oregon. It was Oregon. Okay. It is Oregon. My first guess was going to be actually, for some reason, I thought it was going to be um, UCLA. Oof. Yeah. Um, or not UCLA, I'm sorry, USC. Because that was my first, that was going to be my first go was to USC for the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see Oregon. Who, player. who was the best player on Oregon in 2011? Um, that's when they had Chip Kelly, right? Yes. But that's not the answer. That's not the answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, who was on the 2011 Oregon team? I'm trying to think of Oregon players in the NFL. Oregon players. I'll, I'll give you another hint. He's not – he wasn't – he never made it big. He never really make it big in the NFL. But he was amazing on Oregon. On Oregon. Um, Kiko Alonso didn't go to Oregon, did he? I don't know. But, no, it wasn't him. It wasn't Kiko Alonso. What – offense or defense? Offense. Wow. I don't, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, and I can't figure it out. You said it wasn't the quarterback. It was not the quarterback. Quarterback was not a flashy name. Oregon. Oregon. Um, wow. Um, I honestly don't know. I can't think of the player off the top of my head. It is LaMichael James. You know, that name does ring a bell, but I would have never guessed it. He was so good. You want to watch some good college highlights? It's his. You, well, Michael James was so good at Oregon, and he literally led that Ohio, Oregon team to the national championship. They got blown out by Cam Newton, but right. he was so good in college. Watch his highlights. It's good. I would have never. I would have never gotten that. But that's a good one. Like Oregon. Like I remember Chip Kelly was on that Oregon. That Oregon squad. You want to know what the other two quizzes were? Um, if you want to give it to me. All right. I'm going to give you the – well, the, this one I probably, you probably would have never gotten, but Cam Newton went to three colleges. Can you name them? It was Florida, Auburn, and Blinn College. Yeah. That one, yeah. And the other one was who came in second in the Heisman voting to Cam Newton? What position? Quarterback. Also in the Pac-12. Um, Another hint, he came in second two years in a row. Pac-12 quarterback. Trying to, was he a USC guy? No. It was a USC. Um, wow. College football is not my strength. I'm going to be brutally honest. <laughs> um, is he in the NFL today? No. I will give you another hint, though. He just retired. He just retired. That should be a huge hint. 
Um, just retired. Quarterback. Oh, no. no My assumption was Eli Manning. No. Uh, wow, crap on a cracker. I don't know what it is. Oh, you're going to hate me. You're going to hate it when you hear it. Let me say, wait. Um, just retired this year. So this after year. the season, he called it a career. Yep. No, not after 20, after, before the 2019 season. Before the 2019 season, he would. Re- oh, Andrew Luck. Yep. It was Andrew Luck. Came in second to Cam Newton. Okay. And that is it. For- I forgot Stanford was in the Pac 12. <laughs> like I said, college football is not my strong point. So, all right, so you're good? That is it for me, yes. Okay, uh, just a quick wrestling note. Um, my wrestling insider, Keith, sent me a message yesterday. There's a rumor that, not a rumor, but apparently Vince McMahon is not. Um, is killing Liv Morgan's push. So not surprised. He, you know, Liv Morgan was apparently a big. Uh, Heyman really liked her and wanted to. Was that was like his project apparently, and Vince has decided to squash her push altogether. And the rumor is is that she is now going to be tagging up once again with Ruby Riot. Okay, so that's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with it under one condition. You got to dye Liv's hair green. And you gotta, she's got to go back to that Harley Quinnish type. Uh, oh, I like this. I like this Liv Morgan. I like the way. I don't like the lesbian Liv Morgan. It's nothing against lesbians. Oh yeah, movie. lesbian. That 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 gimmick lasted for like a week. We have no week. That, that, but I mean, they 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 messed that up so bad. Oh my god. That it just didn't make any sense. I want it to go back to like I had said to Keith. We were talking about the one night, and I said. Since Sarah Logan is no longer in WWE, what if you had a new Riot Squad with Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and Shotzi Blackheart? I wouldn't hate that. But Keith made a good point because Keith was like, I think you're taking away from Shotzi Blackheart because she's such a good person. She's such a good wrestler and a good, you know, very good persona. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that makes sense because Shotzi Blackheart has her hair dyed green. So does Ruby. So now you find a way to put, which they should have never broken up the riot squad. That was the worst mistake they, one of the worst mistakes they ever made. Because I, it just, you kind of knew that when you broke them up, they were going to do absolutely nothing with them. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Now, if Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan go for the tag team titles, I'm all in. Which they should. Because I'm all in. Tag. I don't want them to be singles wrestlers. I want them to be a tag team. Yes. This is the riot squad. This is what it is. Okay. You can call it the Riot Squad, you can call it whatever you want, okay? But if that's the case, I don't hate that idea. Mm-hmm. I just hate the fact that another talented wrestler had a possible push squash by Vince. That I have a problem with. Like, and it's not like, you know, Liv sucks. She's a good wrestler. She is a good wrestler. She's very she's, – she's decent. She's, I won't say she's, like, up there with Sasha or Bailey or anyone, but she's good. She's very good. And the fact that, you know, you squash, we built, we have these video promos with her for weeks in, and then you come out basically saying she's a lesbian with Lana. Again, flattened the next week because we don't even, that, that, they didn't follow up on that story at all. And then you immediately buried. Like, was, well, you know what they're doing now? They're teasing it. I don't know if you saw last week's Raw after Liv lost her match to Natalia because mm-hmm. apparently Natalia and Lana are a thing. Oh. Which I think it's just outright ridiculous. But that's whatever. So at the end of the match, like Ruby, Liv Morgan was walking backstage and Ruby, she ran into Ruby Riot. 
And Ruby Riot didn't really say anything. She just, and Liv Morgan was like, not now. And she just like walked away. Mm-hmm. So I think they're starting to plant the seeds for a Liv and Ruby tag team, which again, if it's strictly for the belts, I'm all in. Yeah, because they'd be a real tag team. Not saying that Sasha and Bailey aren't, but they don't need the tag titles. <laughs> yeah. No, they don't. And the thing is, it's ridiculous that Sasha's going to get the title match against Asuka. I think it's just, whatever. Story for another day. <laughs> and on that note, that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for this evening. Um, again, follow the show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and my Facebook page as well. Follow the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Tomorrow, we are psyched to have the Creative Pro champion, VSK, joining us for an interview. Uh, we're going to talk about indie wrestling. We may even talk about the state of the WWE and how he sees it in AEW. And if there's a future for, if there's a future show in the books for Creative Pro, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, if you've never been to their shows, their shows are really good. And, you know, so for me personally, I'm just looking forward to it. And we're looking forward to having him on the show tomorrow as well. So we'll definitely, we are psyched to have him on. So on behalf of the People's Producer, Chris Klim, I am Craig Moffat. This has been the Moffat on the Mic show. Everybody, once again, follow the show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and my Facebook page as well. Have a great Monday wherever you are. Stay safe. Wear the damn mask. And um, that's it. Klim, I will talk to you tomorrow. And again, we will have Creator Pro Champion VSK joining us. Have a great one, everybody.